Life Lessons at the Craft Desk, a laid-back show where we explore life's greatest mysteries, tell silly stories, and chat about everything in between. Each week, I'm joined by a new guest to take a breather and surrender to our creative minds. This is not a show about artistic ability, rather an opportunity to let go of the stressors of adult life. Thanks for listening. This is Life Lessons at the Craft Desk with me, Bridget Grojean. guest is a dear friend of mine, Tupperware expert, frisbee extraordinaire, and video game enthusiast. It's Emma Bennett. Hello. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. Okay, so as you can see, the set is very yeah. bland. Yes. Um, and blank and empty is kind of like a blank canvas. So I was hoping that you could draw a self-portrait. Okay. Please. To get things uh, kicked off, what is something that is unique about you? Unique about me, for being like literal, I was born with two extra bones um, on the top of my Achilles in each of my feet. Your Achilles has like a little indent. And I was born with these two little balls like on the indent of my Achilles. I guess something unique about me in the metaphorical sense... Not necessarily metaphorical. What's something that you are an expert at, maybe, that people might not know? I actually know a lot about St. Louis history because I love the city I was born in. And some people, you know, like to give me trouble about it, but I'm really just passionate about where I was born. And I just recently read this book called The Broken Heart of America. So... Mm. Ouch. Not the not the most uh, uplifting <laughs> title about your home city, but it's all about how St. Louis as a whole was kind of built on the manipulation and not very nice use of non-white people. Talks a lot about how the city was built with rich people in mind mm-hmm. to like let them commute into the city downtown for their jobs and then just go back on the counties. And I think that's so interesting. It's a very good read. And I think it's honestly, in my opinion, kind of a necessary read for young adults, especially like young white adults Mm -hmm. in the St. Louis area, because especially if you're born here, I think people don't know the extent of the harm that was done to indigenous communities, black communities, Mexican immigrant communities, how much we have like put them down in order to build a city that was meant for us. And now everyone's kind of like, well, what are we going to do to make St. Louis come back into the 21st century? Like how are we going to make it popular? And I, I just don't think we can't get there without reviewing what happened in the past and including the people that weren't included on the founding of the city because like we can't make the same mistakes again right yeah have you looked into the history of any other similar cities Um, i checked out a book from the library about the lake of the ozarks that i'm excited to read but i really want to read more about chicago like the midwest just because i think the midwest in general is a very interesting area i love the midwest but there's a lot wrong yeah Um, but I, I'm a big history nerd to begin with. So really hope to like branch out circular across the map eventually. But Uh yeah. Have you always lived in St. Louis? Yes. I was born and raised here. Never lived anywhere but Missouri. I lived in Columbia for school. M-I-Z baby. I've always lived in St. Louis. Uh, first few years of my life, I was in Afton. Then we moved to South County, went to Lindbergh, um, go Flyers, But now I live in the city and I'm a very much self-proclaimed city snob. I think the city is way better than the county. I really love living where I live and just love St. Louis in general. That's great. That's great to hear. Yes, I love it. I love St. Louis. 
Are both of your parents from St. Louis? Yes. My dad actually was born on an Air Force base in Michigan. Sick. Because um, my grandpa was a Army police guy or whatever it's called. Uh, but he, they both lived here. My mom's from Kirkwood. My dad lived out in Valley Park for the most of his life. And then he went to SLU. So he's obnoxious about that. Are um, your parents really into St. Louis as well? When they first got married, they lived in the city, actually kind of close to where I live now. My dad's really into St. Louis sports, mostly baseball. I was raised in a really big baseball household. That's probably kind of what led to me liking the city so much because a lot of my favorite things in my childhood were like coming downtown to watch a game. Really into sports now and big Cardinals fan. I wouldn't say they're on the same level as I am, but if it, anyone is close, it's my dad because he yeah. just knows a lot about like the history of the baseball team and stuff like that. Is baseball your favorite spectator sport? Yeah, honestly, I think if I'm going to go somewhere and like casually watch something, it's going to be baseball. I feel like people who say baseball is a boring sport don't understand it the right way because baseball is like about buildup and like baseball is literally like a chess game. People who don't like baseball probably want the intensity that maybe football or soccer brings. And I, I love both of those sports. I love watching basketball, too. But there's just something very special to me about being able to watch a baseball game and watch the buildup, but also have like a conversation about what's going on in the game. That was like a big thing that I did with my dad growing up is he would take me to the baseball game for my birthday and we just go and we sit and we talk and I'd ask him questions about the game or about That's the players so or the history of the game. And he'd explain it like the rules to me. And like that was always super special to me. I love it. I worked replay for Mizzou Broadcast my senior year of college, and I was one of the main seats for the baseball season, and I absolutely loved it. It's a slow game, which was actually nicer because it's not as high intensity as the room is during like a football game or a basketball game. But you really get to learn so much about the game and see the thought behind each play, each substitution, stuff like that. Yeah. I love baseball. That's really cool. Thanks. My hair is looking kind of funny so far. That's okay. It's not about how photorealistic it is. Although if you want it to be photorealistic, please, by all means. I'm not an artiste. I was the only kid in my class in elementary school that didn't get their art put in the little like art thing. So what? Yeah. But my art teacher loved me. I mean, because I was a kiss ass. But um, (laughs) So have you always been a suck up, Emma? I have always been a suck up. I've always been a teacher's pet. What was your favorite grade? My favorite grade? That's a good question. Honestly, I've always loved school. Not Mm -hmm. to be that kid, but like... (laughs) I was the kid that read during recess. I loved learning. I loved writing essays. I loved not presenting as much, but I loved learning, loved history, loved English. If I had to think and pick one, I really enjoyed fourth grade because I feel like fourth and third grade were the years that I was like, oh, I like writing and I like reading a lot because I had always liked reading. Growing up, my mom always likes to say if they ever wanted me to try something new, like a food or like Mm -hmm. go to the doctor or something like that, she'd be like, if you do this, we'll read you one more book at night. Oh, that's Uh, so cute. (laughs) So I always liked reading, but I I think third and fourth grade was like when they really start throwing on critical thinking to those things. So like, (laughs) it's not just, oh, Johnny went to the market because those are the years that I read Harry Potter. So yeah um pretty formative so I, if i had to pick them third and fourth grade you're probably solid solid years yeah that's the year that i read all of the nancy drew books mm. so it was the same thing of like that really intense like you feel like you finally have access to actual mm-hmm. long form stories mm-hmm. versus johnny went to the market yeah <laughs> What is maybe a lesson that you took from growing up from childhood that you find valuable? 
I feel like I was very fortunate. I had parents that like taught me really good morals. One thing about me is I have a lot of recovered alcoholics in my family. Growing up, I was, I think, held to standards of like holding yourself accountable, always being aware of where you are in your life, being aware of how certain choices may affect yourself and others, Mm -hmm. and just being able to have the strength to like call yourself out in a sense. A lot of people know, like, obviously addiction touches almost every family, but I think growing up so close to it, I learned from my grandpa, from my uncle, that when you want to make drastic changes in your life, like, the first person that you have to turn to is yourself. That's a huge thing to learn as a kid. Do you think you really absorbed that as a child? I think so. I think I was a really anxious kid. Not that I'm like not anxious now, but I was super anxious growing up. Literally, I had to do therapy for storms because I was so scared of thunderstorms at one point. That's so sad. (laughs) It was actually kind of funny, but always an anxious kid. And I think one thing my parents always taught me was you can't just like wallow in this forever. Right. And also like it's not the matter of, okay, I'm just going to slap some therapy on this and hope that it gets better. You have to take the extra steps to like realize where you're coming from, realize what the root of the issue is. And I think it really, it did sink in for me as I made my way through school because I was always kind of reserved outside of my friend group. I was like friendly and stuff like that, but I would go home, play my video games, read my books and go to bed and come back to school the next day. So I think it kind of challenged me to come out of my shell and start embracing the fact that I was anxious and that there's people in the world that will embrace that as well. I think that was really crucial for me transitioning from like high school into college too. Yeah, that's like something really important to learn that I don't think most people learn until Mm -hmm. later on in life, a lot of trial and error. Mm -hmm. So especially honestly, if you're told this by your relatives or whatever, Mm -hmm. not to project on other people, but (laughs) maybe like someone, you tend to fight it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So that's very important and that sounds like you got it figured out um that's my portrait by the way is this enough color if you want it to be enough color it's enough color it's beautiful thank you it's actually my chain looks exactly like you my mizzou hat and this is supposed to be cardinal's shirt but um kind of looks like a you say Laurent shirt it kind of looks like a graph <laughs> fuck around and find out <laughs> that's my favorite meme I remember in college, the first week, I like literally did not eat anything because I was like, oh my God, I'm in college. I'm so nervous. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I would call my parents and like cry and be like, I don't know. They were like, you just got to go out there. You'll be fine. Let yourself enjoy it. And then it, they always kind of tease me for this. They're like, yeah, you called us every night. And then all of a sudden, like you just weren't calling us because <laughs> I was just so busy like doing things. That's awesome. Though. But yeah. So yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Are you close with your dad then? It sounds like you guys are pretty close. Me and my dad are very close. Um, We're very similar. I like to think we're both non-confrontational, like go with the flow, chill people. We kind of like nerd out on this kind of similar things. My dad's a big Excel sheet guy. Are you a big Excel sheet guy? Um, I'm an aspiring. Um, aspiring. Maybe one day, but it's a, it's a little much for me. Sometimes I have to text him and be like, hey, how do I do this? And it's yeah. like, I've literally taught you this five times, but... How often do you use Excel sheets? Um, not often. I mean, I've just got a, recreationally. Yeah, I just have a budget Excel sheet, and I don't even use that much. <laughs> so, <laughs> not to the extent he does. He literally has a Excel sheet of all of our neighbors, like their addresses, <laughs> like and then what else? Their occupations and if they have kids. So <laughs> that's fine. He's an interesting guy. That's funny. I love him though. No, we're really close. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. And do you have any siblings? You have a sister. Right? Yeah, I have a biological sister who is currently in Hawaii, living her dream. Good for her. Um, I have a stepbrother and a stepsister as well. Okay. Are yeah. they in St. Louis? 
Yes, my stepbrother goes to SLU. I think he's studying environmental stuff, but I'm not 100% certain. And then my stepsister lives in Edwardsville, and she's a vet tech. I'm 99% sure. That's fun. Yeah. Speaking about vet, yeah. do you have any pets? I don't have any of my own pets. I have lots of pet nieces and nephews. And then my parents have a pet whom I love dearly, but not a pet mommy yet. So are you a dog person or a cat person? Very much a dog person. Um, as a self-identified golden retriever lesbian, um, <laughs> I just have to. Yeah, I, I just I love dogs. I love cats. I grew up with both dogs and cats and I yeah. love cats, but I love that dogs want me to love them as much as I want to love them and like want me to pet them as much as I want to right. pet them. It's just a personality thing. The golden retriever is the simp of the dog world. Yes. And you are the golden retriever of the human world. Yes. So that means that you are the simp, your ultimate simp. Yes. You're the I, final master simp. I'm the final master simp. Okay. It's really bad. Do you want to expand on that? I mean, I've most recently, my friends have picked up on the fact and teased me for it, but it's been happening since I think it was fifth grade. I had this friend and this was like way before I found out that I was gay. Uh-huh. So I was... Just like, oh, it's like in a friend way. Like, I'm obsessed with this yeah. girl in a friend way. <laughs> we were like pretty close friends and we hung out a lot. I remember one time she was like, my sister and brother and I were going to the the ice rink. And like, that was a big thing we would do for like field trips and stuff. But she was like, we're going to the ice rink. You guys should come. I managed to convince my mom to take my sister and I. And so we showed up and we get our skates and everything and we go to get on the ice and I literally chickened out so bad because I was no. so scared. I was like, no way am I going to be able to balance. This is so scary. I tried <laughs> oh, to skate. No. I like freaked out, started crying. Like I was like, mom, take me home, take me home. And then literally that night, the realization set in. I was like, I looked so lame, I bet. And I literally was like <laughs> at school the next day, I went to the girl and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't mean to freak out, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. It's like, but then left. I felt so bad. <laughs> I kept trying to apologize to her and she'd be like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But I felt so bad that I made her an apology card, like in class. And was like, I'm sorry. I had to leave the ice rig. And I gave it to my friend that was in her class. I was like, can you give this to her after lunch? They gave it to her and she came up to me and she was like, you don't need to do all that. Like, can you stop apologizing? Did you guys stay friends? Um, honestly, she moved away. I don't know how far. I don't know if she just transferred schools or I honestly don't even remember her last name. Um, <laughs> Sounds really important. It was really important. Uh, she moved away after fifth grade, I think. You went to public schools, right? Yes, I went so- to public school all my life, but I did PSR on Monday nights at St. Simon the Apostle Church. As much as my grandma probably wants me to say that I am, I, I talk to God occasionally, but... Mm-hmm. I don't really go to church now. Is that something that your family instilled in you? Were you the one who kind of made that decision? I know a lot of people, Um, once again, projecting a bit. No, yeah. I know a lot of people, once they kind of go to college and Mm. have the freedom to make their own decisions Mm. in their life, they either discover, oh, this is something that is important to me or maybe Mm. it's not. Was that something that happened in college for you? Um, so kind of how it ended up laying out for me is, so my sister and I both did PSR, you start in first grade and it's just basically like Sunday school, but on Monday nights for all the public school kids. We didn't go to church. The only time we went to church is if we like sleep over at my grandma's house or we would go on Christmas occasionally. But I went through that whole program. You get confirmed in seventh grade. And then after that, like I was, I thought I really liked it because I had like a huge 
friendship group and um we did this thing called luke 18 where we'd have a retreat (laughs) luke 18 retreat yeah really was into that um went to steubenville a couple times in springfield and then after i got confirmed i started doing youth ministry and that was there was one year that we had a seminarian. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's super cool. Clicked well and like really liked him. He was a good role model. But then one night I remember I came in and it was obviously like the typical youth ministry setup where you've got the couches in the church basement and everyone just chills out on the rug yeah. and the projector. So we were in and I check in and go sit down next to my friends and our seminarian came in and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm leading the talk today and we're going to be talking about abstinence. And it's kind of sitting there and I was like, Limburg, I don't know if they still do it, but when I was in the district, they used Thrive for sex education. Thrive is not sex education. It's abstinence education. It's more like scaring kids into hating their bodies and stuff like that. So I knew what abstinence was at that You point. knew what abstinence was. I knew what you abstinence didn't know what was. anything else was. I did not know what anything else was. So when he said abstinence, I was like, oh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Like, I so have I to like, go home. Sorry. Red flag yeah. immediately. But I was like, you know what? I'm here for the vibes. I'm here for God. <laughs> I'm here for the youth group vibes. Exactly. Um, so I was like, whatever. It's fine. I can just sit through this. But then he like got into his whole spiel. And then at some point he was like, you know, like I'm, I'm teaching, I'm getting my, my priest degree or whatever you want to call it. And he's like, I go to these schools and all the kids there still think that gay marriage is okay. And I had recently, like, come out. I came out in eighth grade. Were you out to them? I didn't, like, explicitly say it, but I had made a Facebook post. And everybody followed And everyone so. was my friend on Facebook. Yeah. So they, like, probably knew. I just wasn't super open about it. So that happened. And I was like, oh, I'm not safe here anymore. And then literally left that meeting went home and then never went again. Like unfriended all the adults that were in charge there, except for one that I knew was accepting and was a safe person, but she wasn't there that night. But like never went again. I think I kind of cling on to it a little bit just because that's how I was raised. Yeah. But it's very complicated, very complicated relationship. I hope to eventually maybe one day come to terms with it, but it's not high on my priority list. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's super interesting. That's a visceral story kind of yeah it was very much a wake-up call and you know what as much as it hurt to like lose those friends i I don't blame them at all yeah like they were a part of the system as well like i don't blame them for not reaching out because they were probably taught well whatever so like it hurt to not have those friends anymore but when i see them in public i'm still like oh hey how are you doing and they're they're the same way and like i know that they've probably grown to terms as well like because I know at least one other person in that group. And I think it was good in the end. I feel like if I would have stayed, I wouldn't have made some of the friends that I have not. So That's good. Yeah. So that was in eighth grade, you said? Yes, eighth grade. I came out, oh my gosh, I think I came out at the beginning of my eighth grade year. And then that probably was around the end of my eighth grade year. Would you say that was something that changed your perspective? Like, was there any other shift in you in that moment? I think it definitely affected me, but I consider myself a pretty resilient person. So like, I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Let me just go be gay at school then. (laughs) Like, and be a simp for literally every straight girl in my high school. But obviously it affected me deeply. Like it was a visceral reaction, but I can't say I was like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Like I hate myself. Cause like my family has always been super accepting. Oh, that's great. It's, I'm very fortunate to have a accepting family and accepting friend group that happened. And they were just kind of like, okay, like you're not going anymore. That's fine. What is something that you've had to reteach yourself as an adult? I would say it sounds like you learned a lot as a kid. Yeah. And even like up to eighth grade, I feel like you were 
I've always thought knowing you that you are wise beyond your years. Oh, thank but you. Thank you. I feel like as a child, you clearly were as well, it seems like. I was the, like I said, the kid that read at recess, the casas, like teacher's pet. My parents got divorced when I was end of freshman year of high school. So that was like something that I think matured me a little bit too. Kind of what I touched on earlier, but being open to like continuously assessing where you are in terms of mental health, progress and goals and stuff like that. Being able to realize what's working and like what's not working. I think self-care like is a really important term and a really important thing to have when you're an adult. But I think too often we focus too much on just the quick fixes. I am one to advocate for mental health day, like taking a bath, doing stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of times we use that as kind of like a band-aid to like a a bigger cut, scratch, whatever you want to call it. For at least for me, what I've realized is more about setting up routines, habits, social circles, anything that you need to have a baseline quality of life that you can return to. For example, like my life could be going amazingly. I'm getting promoted at work. I'm really enjoying my job. I have all these great friends that I love seeing. And for example, something may happen. I might have a family member pass or maybe I like crash my car or something like that. And obviously that sucks and that's going to cause mental stress in my life. But at the end of the day, I know, okay, I still have my apartment that I can go back to. I still know that my apartment's clean and I keep it clean and I feel good in my apartment when it's clean. I know I've got Frisbee on Monday that I can still go to and just forget about whatever is going on. I know I've got trivia on Tuesdays that I can just go, same thing, go forget about it for a little bit. I've got friends that I can lean on. Building a life for yourself that even if it goes to shit, you still got things that you can like rely on. I know, okay, I've got five books checked out from the library right now. I can go home and just read those. And like, if that's what I need today, that's what I need today. I feel like a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves to incorporate so many things into our life at once just to make it better that we kind of overwhelm ourselves. So it's like more of a slow integration and like figuring out, okay, well, I started running on Thursdays and it makes me feel good. Then the next day I feel super exhausted Mm -hmm. and this and that. So I just taking the moment to be like, okay, I want to keep this in my life. I want to like work on having this as a habit, but I need to figure out how it fits into my life differently. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. How did you learn that? Did something happen that taught you that? Or was that kind of a gradual lesson that you learned as you grew? I think kind of a gradual lesson. I started kind of, you know, learning it in college when I didn't live in the dorm anymore and like lived in an apartment. But I think it really kind of clicked for me when I finally did live by myself. Yeah. Because I think, you know, in college, like I lived with some of my best friends. I was very fortunate to not have roommate drama. Like I enjoyed all the people that I lived with, especially like my senior year. I lived with two of my best friends in the entire world and we had a blast and we were doing things every single weekend. But when you live by yourself, you have to like learn to love being by yourself and like learn to love your own company. And I think that's when it kind of really clicked for me that I'm like the only person in charge of my life right now. It's no longer my parents. I call my dad for like everything still. At the end of the day, I'm in charge of deciding what I do with any information he gives me, any advice he gives me, whether I take it or not. If I act on it, I'm in charge of like what groceries I get, when I'm paying my bills, if I'm paying my bills on time, if I'm paying my credit card bill on time, if I'm utilizing my credit card responsibly. (laughs) 
I think it all kind of snapped into place for me. And I'm like, okay, I'm like my own parent now, essentially. I got to take care of myself. That is a really interesting thought, kind of the transition to becoming your own chaperone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, I kind of had the realization that I lived so much of my life with the golden rule in mind, you know, treat others the way you wish to be treated. And I didn't realize that I needed the reverse of that. Exactly. So I needed to start treating myself the way that I treat other people. Exactly. That's something I think someone just might have brought it up in like a podcast I listened to, but that's like something that's been the main goal of mine recently is you need to treat yourself the way you deserve to be treated. And like, you need to treat yourself the way you would treat others. Right. Exactly. That's like something I'm trying to coach myself into doing in terms of when I'm having like a day that I'm really in my head or like just being really hard on myself. And I just stop for a moment. I'm like, would I hold this kind of standard to like one of my friends? Exactly. The people that I care about like deeply and truly. You just need to like care about yourself. I pride myself in being a very loyal person and caring about the people that I love and going to bat for them. And I think there's a part of your life where you really just need to sit down and be like, okay, I'm one of those people in my life and I need to focus on like treating myself as one of them. Absolutely. Very profound. Well, I think that's really great. I feel like recently I became on the same page as that Mm -hmm. because I was just, I don't even know where my head was. Is there anything specific that has surprised you about being an adult or like being in the workplace or Um, living on your own? Just how fun it is, honestly. Yeah. Obviously, like you're not going to have the best days every single day and like there's going to be shit that sucks. I just love being an adult, getting to choose who I want to be and what I want to do. For example, I've I freaking love my apartment. I love your apartment Thank too, you. to be fair. Thank you. It's cute. It's my space. I was always the kid who would take magazines and get all the like Tiger Beat, J-pop or whatever they were freaking called back then, getting all the posters out. But then I would take the extra step of like going into the individual pages and cutting out little like, scraps to paste on my wall. So I loved like doing that. Now I have so much space to work with. And because I, I think I'll stay in my apartment for a hot second because mm-hmm. it's an amazing spot. Being able to be like, okay, well, I want to work. My goals are I want to get these old dressers out, get something in that fits more. I want to paint the rail on my back porch so it doesn't look like super rusty. I want to get a plan out here and some lights. And also being able to be like, okay, I get to pick my schedule. If I want to just go into work, come home and go to bed. I can you do can do that. But now I'm like, okay, well, I can go to Frisbee on Mondays and trivia on Tuesdays. And then maybe if I'm too tired on Wednesday, I'll just take a night for myself. But yeah. if I'm not too tired, I can just go and do something else and like hang out with my friends. And like, I can stay up as late as I want. Am I going to reap the consequences of that in the morning? Yes, I should. Yes, am. I, yes, I But am. that's a lesson that I learned. Like, right. It's just super cool having the control over your life that you don't really get even in college because you're so bound by classes and homework. That's just something so awesome of finishing school, whether it's graduating high school and going straight into workforce or going to school and then graduating is not having homework anymore. That is really, it's something that as a kid, you're like, oh, I can't wait to be an adult and not have homework anymore. And then it happens and, and you're like, like, I was right. I was right. This like, is the best thing ever. <laughs> I go to work. I do my stuff. I leave. If I have a little bit of extra work to do, that's because I goofed off too much. Which you never do. Which I never do. I'm completely 100% serious the whole time about it. But then I'm like, I get to go home and not care about my job. Yeah. Until 8 a.m. the next day. Exactly. Which is really nice. And I love my job. Don't get me wrong, but it's so nice to essentially like have a weekend night in a sense. Like Mm -hmm. I have to go to bed on time, but like no one cares if I just go home and play video games until 10 p.m. and then go to bed. Like it's super nice. There is a beauty in that freedom Mm -hmm. for sure. I Mm -hmm. agree. And like one thing that's nice is being so passionate about St. Louis, I think comes from 
I grew up here. I don't know about you, but all the kids in myself like that I grew up with, I think is very typical. St. Louis County kids grow up, they're like, oh, I hate St. Louis. I can't mm-hmm. wait to leave. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like so lame. And then you go to school and you come back and you're like, wait, I kind of like it here. One thing that's been super nice about living here and being an adult here is I get to go do the things that I loved as a kid and like in high school, revisit them, just learn to relove the city and like on a deeper level than I did as a kid. Yeah. Cause experiencing it as a kid is definitely very different than mm-hmm. experiencing it as a single adult. Yes. Yes. So different. It's so different, but it's like so nice. It's so much deeper, like the appreciation. I definitely appreciate St. Louis more now than yes. I ever did. But I think I also just didn't understand how different living as an adult mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. You know? I have a really hard-hitting question. Okay, I need right. you to be extremely serious and answer this. Do you say espresso? 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 Espresso. Espresso? Espresso. Espresso. Espresso? Yes. Well, not like that. <laughs> espresso. Espresso. It's, it's not espresso. I know it's not, but I think that's just how it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> say it again. Espresso. Espresso. <laughs> I say a lot of things weird. Like muscacholi. Yeah. Muscacholi. I say muscacholi. But I think that's like a St. Louis thing. I think it is too. I used to say canopy, like for canopy. On purpose? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm right. I was a kid. I think I was like in third grade. Did you think it was funny or did you actually think it was real? (laughs) I think it was, I probably was trying to do it for the bit. You are nothing if not committed to the bit. Exactly. I feel like all the time. No, I've always been that way. I love being committed to the bit. Like I will always, that's definitely something I've gotten from my dad is like being committed to the bit. What's your favorite bit? I do it a lot in like meetings at work where I'll, I distract my director so much and I genuinely feel bad sometimes, but it's like so funny. We'll be in a best practices all sitting there and like typing or whatever. She'll say something and I go, and like just start staring at her and she's like, what? And I'm like, Oh, so you're just intentionally making her uncomfortable. Yes. That's probably about the time we have, unfortunately. That's right. Um, I don't want you to miss going to see a play with your grandma and my aunt. They have a group that they go with. And whenever someone would drop out, if they had an extra ticket, they'd text me and be like, hey, we're coming. And yeah, so like this year, my grandma got me season tickets for my birthday to go with them. So were you a theater kid? You were a band kid. I was neither of those things. I was in orchestra. So here's my trajectory. I started playing violin fourth grade. I played it through sophomore year of high school. Eighth grade, I started doing winter guard. Ninth and 10th grade. What is that? Winter guard is like color guard inside without the marching band. (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) Routines. It's like a dance team with flags. Hell yeah. Um, So I started that in eighth grade and then... Freshman and sophomore year, I did marching band for color guard, but I didn't play an instrument. And I never was a theater kid. I like to say I'm plugged into the theater community. <laughs> um, I'm a casual theater enjoyer. A theater goer. A theater goer. Absolutely. Will. Okay. We'll have a lot of fun. That Thanks. sounds great. Thanks. I bet you will. I'll and, try. Um, thank you for being my first guest. You're welcome. I'm and always happy to come back. I will get this hung up. I love talking. So. Okay. <laughs> Signing off, Emma, you have anything to say to the people? Any last words of wisdom? I would just like to say Chapel Roan just dropped a new album. I was going to text you about it today. She deserves 
way more hype than Olivia Rodrigo does. I literally was going to text you about that. Because I thought it was amazing. I can't stop listening to it. It's, it's so on good. Repeat. That's all I'm listening to. And I will say right I was now. legitimately disappointed by I know, And I know, guys, like, don't come for me. I know this is a 19-year-old girl that I'm talking about, but I was low-key disappointed by Olivia's album. Really? Um, I didn't listen to it. I just think Chapel deserves all the love. And low-key, I'm kind of tired of all the Taylor Swift talk. I'm like, can we move on? Really ending it on a strong yeah, note here. I'm sorry. Um, I love Taylor. <laughs> She's a great person, but we need to move on. That's it. 